With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's happening, guys? Thank you for joining me again on the social work race. I just want to point out, though, um, how dedicated I am to this show. So I'm at home with the kids today, and my kids are cool. They're all right. But I promise you that if I am interrupted at any point in this podcast, I will not edit it out. So you may or may not pick up that there is a cartoon playing in the background. That's how dedicated we are to this podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining. Please share, please subscribe, and then share and subscribe. Really appreciate the time you're putting into this show. I am learning so much from reading the news. I listen to TikTok a lot. And the people that I work with, Seriously, if you are ever considering going into social care or being on the front line, this is the podcast for you. And if you want to join the conversation, let me know. Let me know. Um, you can contact me on Instagram as the social work race or TikTok. Um, let me know. Thank you for listening again. This topic today, austerity. Wow. And I'm surprised I haven't done this topic yet. I really am because it has been, and it should have been on the tip of my tongue um, for for when I entered into social work. It wasn't just social work. I mean, I knew this before, but I guess when you're a social worker, you you are, money is always a thing when it comes to service users. When you work with children like I do, money is going to be a thing services are going to be a thing so we know that austerity is has been a feature for around 10 years when we had that collaboration with uh, between the conservatives and the liberal democrats we had austerity we had cuts and cuts were always going to be a thing because we were a high spending nation and we couldn't keep it up we are a country of debt our wealth is built on debt And, and, and the question is, if we are borrowing at the rate we are, how can we keep up the payments and how strong will our pound be and the you know, inflation, the impacts and so forth? Some of you may not understand all of that, but it's really important, especially now, to understand the power and impact of austerity and cuts. 
And so the title of this show is Austerity in Your Borough Will Drive You Mad. It will. Listen to this. Um, I've been through the financial crash. Crash. I've been through COVID, which was mitigated by some of the measures the Chancellor put in place. This is the worst. Where we are right now, this is the worst. When I'm reading messages from people telling me that you know, money prioritisation used to be, do I, do I go to the hairdressers or do I, do I go to the pub and have a takeaway? Now it's about I'm prioritising feeding my children over feeding myself. That is simply not tenable in our society. Mm. And there is absolute panic and it has not started yet. The, the big drive here is fuel and energy prices. Well, people know about the price of the pumps. But we have to look at the fact on the 1st of April, energy bills are going to go up 54%. That's catastrophic, that's £700 a year. We are now seven weeks through the 26-week period of the assessment for the October price cap. And that seven weeks has been unprecedented at the level of wholesale energy prices, which is what sets that energy price. Now, even on a very conservative estimate, that means in October we're going up another 25%. And while it doesn't sound as big, that's on top of the 54%. So that's at least another £600 a year in October. The causes of the cost of living are really difficult. They're structural, they're the recovery from COVID, they're Brexit, they're net zero, they're... That Ukraine and none of those are pejorative. I'm not saying any of those are bad. That's just what is knocking onto the fuel price prices that we have right now. But when you look at the fact that just on energy alone, on a conservative estimate within one year, we're talking £1,300 a year going up in bills, we're going to have about 10 million people in fuel poverty. We have a real absolute, not relative, poverty issue going to come in the UK with food banks oversubscribed, with debt crisis agencies do not have any tools. And I need to say, with the Chancellor coming on in a moment, if you could give me, as the money-saving expert who's been known for this, I am virtually out of tools to help people now. It's not something money management can fix. It's not something for those on the lowest incomes telling them to cut their belts will work. We need political intervention. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You heard it from the pro, the expert, Martin Lewis. He's been a soldier for a long time, an advocate and a resource provider. Our kind of soft analyst, an analyst, economic analyst, got tongue twisted there he's our soft economic analyst he's got his finger on the pulse of where we are economically as both people and as a country um, a really strong advocate for the poor and and i'm just read a comment if it says when martin lewis has no clue then we should start panicking and i think being on this front line now, I'm, I'm going to take this, I'm going to take you for a few stats and then I'm going to take you down a path of understanding what it means to work with austerity. I really want you to get this because anyone entering the field or anyone in the field will find out or, or knows that doing what we do with the constraints that we have is impossible. It's actually can I say it's nine it's about 90% impossible which means that we have a 10% success rate for what we can really do and what does that mean I mean that's really a flippant stat but it, that's what it feels like let me let me give you some um, uh, I want to read you through um, something I've got here 
from the Guardian. Um, yes, I'm happy to accept this cookie. There we go. Austerity in England. This is uh, actually this is a uh, 2021 um, article. Austerity in England is linked to more than 50,000 extra deaths in five years. Works out to roughly, of course, 10 a year. Um, austerity cuts to the NHS, public health and social care have killed tens of thousands more people in England than expected, according to the largest study of its kind. Do you get this? I, I obviously will not read the whole article, but you can just Google that easily. That's a lot of people, 10,000 a year that was at the previous rate before lockdown before ukraine before what and that's just before the projections which are going to be worse this was up to 2021 and you just heard martin lewis talk about what is coming i hate to give you the gloomy news but this is current um, so you know that in healthcare and in social services, obviously there are cuts and the cuts are, as the article puts it, is killing people. A lot of deaths. And in that, you can bet that people will also have a lower quality of life and diagnosis, not in just health, but mental health and children's mental health will be lost or missed they will not be diagnosed for the support that we're trying to give they will slip through the cracks which are increasing and becoming wider that's what is happening right now in this i'm not trying to scare you off we need you social workers we need you nurses we need all of the mental health workers we need you more now than ever but can i be a voice can i be a voice and and let's go a little bit further um, looking at Scotland, the voice of Scotland's vibrant voluntary sector, TFN. Uh, Scott, poverty kills 400 Scottish children every year. That's it. Um, poverty and inequality plays a pivotal role in the deaths of around 400 Scottish children. Scotland's not a big country. That's 400 children a year. A dozen people, including doctors, professors, and the heads of charities are demanding that politicians take the welfare of children in Scotland more seriously in the run-up to next year's Scottish Parliament elections. This was in 2015, by the way. So if things have gotten worse, remember, we've had Brexit just last year. We've left Europe last year. So we have there are financial implications to leaving Europe, okay? Which the voters did not get. Mostly the poor, mostly the left out, mostly the left behind. They voted out and they will suffer first. Uh, if you think that this is a political rant, it is not. You'll see where I'm going in a moment. But again, this number of 400 must be higher if we know that poverty was killing children seven years ago so there, there, there you have those that i've given you two 
sets of stats. I'm going to give you a third one, okay? Um, austerity cuts to social... Sorry, this I should let you know. Disabilitynewsservice.com. Austerity cuts to social care and health caused 57,000 deaths, research suggests. And that was in 2021, that report, that article. The government has refused to apologise for the appallingly unnecessary impact of austerity spending cuts after researchers linked post-2010 reductions in spending on social care and health to more than 57,000 deaths in just four years. The research shows the number of deaths due to austerity was even higher than suggested by previous research, which had linked about 45,000 deaths to health and social care funding cuts between 2010 and 2014. That is a lot of people. That is a lot of people. And again, that does not point to the the, the greater number, the far greater number of people who will suffer as a, res, uh, um, as a result of their poor quality of life, loss of opportunity, unemployment, mental health challenges, domestic violence and crime, sexual assaults, antisocial behaviour, robbery. These will all precede the deaths. That's just 57,000, okay? There must be hundreds and hundreds of thousands, if not a million or two, of people who will be suffering significantly because, well, if we've got about, what, 75 million people in this country, you know there's a few million who are really suffering as a result of cuts. And one thing that was said about the cuts is this. Too hard and too fast. The government cut too hard and too fast. They basically, it's like whipping the rug from under your feet. Did we really need to do that? That's a good question, right? So, don't get me wrong, cuts may need to happen. Um, and it's always a, a long and drawn out debate as to where the cuts should be. But the rug has been whipped out, the decision was made. Um, if you listen to my previous podcast, was it my previous one? Oh, no, no, a couple couple shows back, we looked at the fact that we found the money. We found the money, meaning when lockdown hit, when COVID hit, and we wanted to find the money for PPE and vaccines, we found the money. And as a result of the fast and hard spend, we ended up writing off not 5 billion, not 6 billion, 7, 8, no, nearly 9 billion gone in the bin through poor decision making. 9 billion. We have the ability to provide services even though we are a country of debt. We can find the money to fund what we need to if we really want to. And that's my point there. Now, listen, I'm going to take you through what, what it is, <clears throat> sorry, on my job as a social worker working for the adolescent team, um, the multi-agency um, safety team. 
some people will, you know, there are some there are some thoughts out there that everybody needs to work harder. We cannot rely on benefits and handouts from the state. And it's true. But the state has a responsibility to look after people who are disadvantaged. And who are disadvantaged? We we really want to debate that too. So it's all a really um, complex debate sometimes. But again, 50, 7,000 people dying, not to mention the quality of life. I think that we can look at this a bit differently. Um, but here we go. This is my thing. This is my thing. If you are entering the field, I want you to understand that it is really challenging to work. And it doesn't matter what local authority you are with, you are going to feel it. Now, some actual, actually, some local authorities quote-unquote, do better than others or have more than others. But the problem is still there. Um, the, I think the majority of local authorities and wherever you work in the UK, you will struggle because of austerity in some capacity. In my, in, in my team, it is a real struggle because what we are looking at is when you're trying to help a family, they're going to need therapy. If you want to avert future generations falling into the same cycle of behavior as their parents or their families as a whole, you're going to need key services and key individuals to avert that. And that is what we, to, to, to bring them in would be an investment. It's like planting a seed in the ground. You expect a tree soon that will bear fruit. And it's fair to say that when you whip the rug out, when you say, well, there are going to be no more seeds this year, you can expect that tomorrow there's going to be a famine. And that's what we're seeing. So you, in reality, you will struggle because you are going to want or need or can identify, even as a social worker, services that are essential, that you know are essential for your, for your family or child. But we do not, we are, we are unable to fund it. That's one of the big frustrations in this job. And what you will see, <clears throat> sorry, what you will see is that austerity, in fact, let me take it from here. You know, above me, there are a series of managers and the higher you climb is the more different the job is. Okay, so yeah, as you, as you get high, two, three, four levels up, um, there will be economic decisions that will be made and the job changes as you go higher. Now, it's not that they care less, but their priorities are different and that's the reality. And that would be the same for you because money isn't there. And so services that, if you have 10 people in need and there is only fun, money funding for six, who do you choose? And as a social worker, sometimes you have to fight for a service. And we can look up the higher echelons of, of or the higher hierarchies of, of management. And we can have a lot of problems and, and feel a lot of disdain towards them for, decision, for the decisions that they make. But the reality is, is that they have to make a decision. And you cannot please everybody. And that is a major frustration because there is only money for some. And even then, it may not be able to fund what they need. 
but it might be just the next best thing. So it causes managers to make decisions that you will find very uncomfortable, but it's not necessarily their fault. Are they bad people? Of course not. For that reason, no. But the other side of this is that we have been the, in the UK for a long time, a handout, we have a handout culture. And when you give people lots of access to lots of benefits, over time you will see that they appreciate it less and have very high expectations. And this really does disable the future generations. So it, it cuts both ways. Um, I think the fact is that, though, interestingly, from looking back at the, the audio clip I played you earlier, things are actually going to get worse. And I'm sitting here, and I like to think I can predict reasonably well. I don't know how right I am, but I would say this. I have no idea how this is going to play out for social services. In fact, in uh, a very soon-to-come podcast, um, we're going to look at what, what impact this is having on social workers and the social work market. But things are going to get worse, and I wonder if there are going to be any more cuts because we are in more debt now. Taxes will have to go up to pay for the debt that we've accrued. And I don't know where that leaves us as social workers and I don't know where that leaves us as, as uh, leaves them as service users. I don't know where that leaves us at all. Um, but it, just to let you know, this is one of the major frustrations on the front line. Um, again, we are short-staffed and sometimes service users get really angry with us because they want the support, but we've had to take, a, sometimes like for example, I might have to take a break and that break was at a time where the family needed me the most. On top of that, my team, as any team you go in, any team you go in is going to be short-staffed. So we are doing more work than we were really contracted to. That was really manageable. And so obviously the social work field, um, they're leaving faster than they're being recruited. The government created a, uh, we're off topic now, right? But we can do that. It's my podcast, isn't it? The government have created two or three programs for people to be qualified at social work level in a shorter space of time and they were paying for it but after about a year or two they don't want to know so it is a there's a lot going on here in the background that we're going to look at in future podcasts Um, i've got someone uh, uh, someone who's going to feature with me very soon on this very topic and how on how social work has changed and the things i actually love my job the one one of the main challenges is that we're short-staffed and 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 partly because of austerity the t- intensity of the job the frustrations of the job and i think one of the things that is not just one but one of the things that really keeps me ticking over with this job is um the connections you make with some families it just keeps you there keeps you grounded you know Um, makes you feel like this job is worth it absolute guarantee you'll find at least one in your in your caseload Um, one tip I have for you though when you're working with your families or your individuals adults doesn't matter where that you be honest with them at the earliest point about your limitations that's one, one of the ways you manage the service user expectations is to be honest about 
what can cannot happen what may may not happen and do it from early because it subconsciously prepares them for what might or might not happen and that is a, the case also with with regards to good and bad news start early um, it makes it easier for you and them do you know what I mean thank you for listening again please share then please share and then subscribe and then take care of yourself